it's already been good today, hadn't it? Man, God is so good to us. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we are. I learned something early on as a dad of daughters. Um, I, I grew up with a brother. My dad had two brothers. My mom had three brothers. Um, there haven't been a lot of women in my life. Um, until I became a dad, and uh, we were watching a movie. It was a Disney movie. came on. And at the beginning of all Disney movies, especially movies that you show to girls, there's the castle, and there's the thing that goes over, and then the fairy comes over, and there's Cinderella's castle. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And I remember sitting next to my oldest, Milana, one time, and I said, Milana, what castle is that? She goes, that's Cinderella's castle. I said, do you want to go there? And she went, you can go there? I said, yeah. So let's talk about Disney World. She goes, I said, would you like me to take you there? She said, yeah, I would love for you to take me there. And so I said, okay, maybe one day I'll take you there. Well, there's two problems with maybe. Maybe means you're definitely taking me there. Who agrees? To a, to a little kid, maybe means what? We're going. That's the first problem is it's like a promise. The second problem is maybe for a parent means, you know, off one day, but to a kid maybe means we're going there tomorrow. That's what it means. Have you ever been there? And it wasn't very long, but the next day, hey, are we going to Cinderella? When are we going to Cinderella's castle? So I, at some point, I need to take her. You guys are like, have you not taken her? I have not taken her. So I'm sorry, Milana. Uh, one day we may go. Maybe, maybe. As a dad, I learned the importance of a concept, the concept of a promise. For a hopeful kid, at least my kids, when they hear that we may go and do this or that, it's as good as done. And it's disappointing to be promised something and then to be let down. Anybody ever had that experience? Have you ever been promised something and then the person didn't come through? Have you ever been that person that you promised something and then you didn't come through? I'll be there at 9 on Thursday. And then you're there and no person to be found, right? Have you ever been put in a circumstance where you promised something and then you, something kept you from keeping your promise? We're, we're walking through Hebrews chapter number 11, and I thought it was a beautiful reading today. Brother Billy did such a good job. Thank you for reading that for us. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture because, um, well, first of all, it's true. And a lot of things that are true are beautiful. And I believe that the Word of God's a beautiful thing, don't you? Um, and so it's precious to us, and that's, that's good. But it's also beautiful because of the story that it tells and what it means for us. Um, this is a passage of Scripture, this passage in Hebrews 11, that's called the Hall of Faith. It's talking about faith. In the last two weeks, we've gotten through uh, the end of chapter 10, in, where it says that it is written that the just shall live by faith. And then he says to those Hebrews that he's writing to in this incredible book of Hebrews, we're not of those who uh, fall back into perdition. We're of those who move forward, who live by faith, and who believe unto the saving of the soul. And last week we looked at um, 
this uh, expression that the author, the preacher of Hebrews is giving us and giving us just example after example of what it means to be people who live by faith by looking back at the Old Testament to the, these people who had gone before, these Jewish believers who had gone before be, in the Old Testament who heard the word of God and responded to it and lived, they walked by being just people, the just shall live by faith. They walked by faith. Last week we looked at Abel who was, had an obedient faith and Enoch who had a faith that walked with God. And we had uh, this uh, picture of Noah who, who believed and was saved because of his faith. And what an amazing thing. Today we come to this incredible story about a, a man and a promise. That's why I'm talking about promises. Uh, I want you to know that when man, that, that even though man breaks promises, we, we can be people who break promises. God always, always, always keeps his promises. What he said, he will do. What he said, he will do. When God promises something, you can take you, you can take him to the bank. You can count on him to keep that promise. And today, I want to talk to you about a promise that involves you. You say, who, me? Yes, you. God has made a promise through the people that we're reading about today that's a very important promise. And I believe that this story that you're going to hear about, the story of the promise of God, will give you hope and faith in God and all that he wants to do. We have a good God. We have an incredible God who loves us and who gave his son for us, and we can put our faith in him. And when we do, we know that he'll come through for us. The story that I want to read to you today, what we've already read, is here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16. And it involves, if you're looking at your Bible, um, I'm, for, I'm for tablets and I'm for phones and I'm for paper. I like it all. Do you have a Bible? Is it on your lap or on an app? It's somewhere. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 through 16 can be divided into three sections. You can see that in the first section, by faith, who's the first person? Who is it? Right, say it loud. Abraham. Then you get down to verse number 11. Through faith also, Sarah. Who was Sarah to Abraham? Sarah was Abraham's wife, okay? It was Abram and Sarai. God changed their name to Abraham and Sarah. And so um, that's what you see. And then you get down to verse 13. It says, these all died in faith. And so that's the third section that takes us down through verse number 16, at least for today's preaching passage. And so you can divide it up those three ways. And, and what we're going to see is that the word promise shows up a bunch too. You see it in verse 9. We've already read it, but you see it in verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of, what's the next word? Promise. And he says, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same, what's the next word? Promise. It comes there. It also comes in verse 11. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had what? Promised. And then down in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the 
who agrees this is about promises? This is about a promise of God given to Abraham, given to Sarah, and given to some others that we, we shall see their seed. So can I tell you the story? Can we understand together what this promise was for them and what it is for us? I want this to be intensely practical today because here's what's amazing. God has been doing something since the, before the foundation of the world. God had a plan, God had a mission, and God had a story, and we're included in this story, and we're going to see part of this story today. And I think that at the end of this sermon, at least this is what I hope, that you'll have, if you know Christ as your Savior, just this incredible awe and an incredible wonder and a worshipful heart to the God who has made these incredible promises to us and who is deserving of our worship because he's been so gracious and merciful to us. And that you'll be excited about making sure everybody you possibly can tell knows this promise. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to know that God has offered something to you and you can be part of what God has been planning since before the foundation of the world. We can have a hope for our future through faith and the promise of God by asking and answering six questions of this text today. Are you ready? Here's the first question. What was the promise? What is the promise? Well, let's look at it. It says, um, it told us about it. I showed you already. There has already been made a promise. What is this promise? Well, if you have your Bible, go to Genesis, the first book in our Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse number one. This is an amazing verse. If you want to understand God's mission that he's been on, you got to understand this verse. Here's what it says. The promise that's being referred to is given to us, not just here, it's been given to us other places, but it's been given to us here in Genesis chapter 12, verse number one. Here's what it says. Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Who agrees? That's a pretty cool promise. What a great promise. Uh, it came with a pretty difficult thing. Hey, get up and go, and I'll show you where you're going to go. But I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those. Who would take that promise from God? Hey, people who are with me get blessed. People who are against me get cursed. I think that's pretty cool. And I'm going to get a land, and I'm going to get a people. That's an incredible thing. So what did Abram do? I love this. Verse 4, this is his faith. So Abram departed as the Lord hath spoken unto him. You know what's good? Faith obeys. It's good to be obedient. Who agrees with me? It's good to be obedient. God's called us to be obedient. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. This text that we're referring to is called the Abrahamic Covenant. The Abrahamic Covenant. It's the promise of God, the covenant of God to Abraham that 
came with a command to leave where he lived, the Ur of the Chaldees, to go to the place that God would show him. So what's the promise that's being talked about? It's the promise to Abraham, a covenant of Abraham, uh, for Abraham from God, that God would be with them, that he would bless them, that in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed through a land and a people. We'll see that here in just a moment. So that's the first question. What was the promise? That's the Abrahamic covenant. Here's the second question. You're like, you got through a point in like three minutes? Yeah, isn't that cool? Cool. Number two, don't expect that again. All right. Number two, what's the second question? How is Abraham a part of that promise? Well, if you go back to our text, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what's the next word? He obeyed. When God said, get up and go, Abraham got up and he went. Now, when he got up and he left, did he know where he was going? The verse tells us they didn't have any idea where he was going. He didn't know. He's just going to go wherever God shows him. How many of you guys would like to try? Let's try an Abraham vacation. Megan, next summer, Abraham vacation. We're just going to load up the car and we're going to go somewhere. Who wants to go on vacation with us? No, you can't go. No, you're not, you're not coming. Just go to a land that I'm going to show you. What an amazing thing. And so what did, God, what did he do? Now, think about, we have so much history to refer to, right? We have so much of God uh, revealing himself to us. In fact, Hebrews 11 is something that Abraham didn't have. He didn't know about a hall of faith. He probably knew some of the people that had, uh, that had come before him for sure, but, but he didn't have what we have in knowing how God is and what God was doing. He just got God showing up and saying, Abraham, get up and go. You're going to move you're going to leave your land, you're going to leave your kindred, and you're going to go to a place where I'm going to show you. What an incredible thing to ask. And when he, he, when he was told to do that, he obeyed, and he went out, it says, not knowing whether he went. It involved a place. This promise involved a land. It involved a place. Genesis eleven thirty one tells us that he went, and Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Aram, his son's son and Sarah, his daughter-in-law and sons Abram's wife, and they went forth with him from Ur out of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. He was promised a land. He was promised this progeny, this people. It took some faith to leave your homeland, to go where you've never been and not really know exactly where you're going. Verse 8 says, he went out not knowing where he went. And then he says in verse 9, by faith he sojourned, in the land of promise as, a strange, as in a strange country, dwelling in, what does it say next? Dwelling in tabernacles. This is tents with Isaac and Jacob. Who are Isaac and Jacob? Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. This is his son and his grandson talking about that. The heirs with him of the same promise. It's the same promise because he said it's going to be through your line that we're going to have a nation of people, uh, and we'll see how, how many there would be. So it was through them. Abraham's faith demonstrated by his obedience, by his obedience that he had a generational impact through Isaac and Jacob. We read about his life in mere moments, but his life was revealed to him slowly over time. There were years of childlessness. 
that's the thing that's so interesting. We're going to see this in, the, in looking at Sarah. He says, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And how many kids did he have? Goose egg. Zero. He had no kids. How old was he when he got that fr promise the first time? 75 years old. Is there anybody? I'm not going to have you stand. Anybody here over 75? Yes, there are. We're having baby dedication later, so you 75-year-olds, make sure you mark in your bulletins, right, that you're going to, right, that doesn't happen. They were, they, there were years of childlessness, one in which the descendants would be like the stars, this, this promise that they'd be like stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. He also demonstrated his faith by being a tent dweller and a sojourner. He was nomadic, never permanently setting up residence while believing God's promise about a land. It says that they were dwelling in tabernacles, which literally means tents. Their son and their son's sons lived in the promised land and passed down this faith in God according to the promise to their kids. Why did he do it all? Verse 10. Why? Because he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is, is God. The, the word here for looked, it looked for is echodakomai in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. It's, it's in, the, in that same verse, in, sorry, in Hebrews 10, 13, it's the word that's translated expecting. So when it says he was looking for one, it wasn't like Nicolas Cage putting lemons on the back of things, treasure map. You guys know what I'm talking about? No one knows what I'm talking about. He's not searching as it for like he's searching for treasure. Like there's this lost city that he's got to find somewhere in this promised land. When it says he's looking for, it says he's expecting a city, and the city he's looking for is not an earthly city. He's looking for a city whose builder and maker was who? God. That's exactly right. Abraham would no longer have to be a sojourner in a temporary land. He lived in a temporary earthly tabernacle while he looked forward to an eternal heavenly city. He lived it by faith, by echodekomai, by looking forward, by expecting a certain destination. Now, as I read this text, as I read it this week, I thought of this question. If God told me to leave and that's all he told me to do, would I do it? If God told you to leave, now before you just say yes, think about what a big deal that was. When you traveled in ancient times, you didn't travel on highways with exits where there's fast food and gas stations. When you got up and left your land and your kindred and your tribe, you're leaving all of the things that you had set up for provision, all the things that you had set up for safety, People back then had lots of kids because that was their social security, right? When I get older, my kids will take care of me, right? They didn't have nursing homes. Are you with me? So when you get up and leave, that's a big deal to go where, where you were doing that. So if God asked me to do that same thing, would I go? If he told me to leave without telling me where I would end up, would I go? Now, I want to tell you this. God does tell you to go. He, he does give us commands. And when he tells us something in his word, to live by faith is to obey what he said and what he says. I've heard people say this. Yeah, I know, Pastor Ben, I know what the Bible says, but I feel, I, I know what God said, but I think, 
I think God will just forgive me. Yikes, indeed. Don't be deceived. This is a recipe for a bad life, for a life filled with behavior that God will not bless. We have to be diligent to live our faith in obedience to God in front of our kids and to share our faith verbally with them. It must go into their minds and see them soak down into their hearts. They must see that faith expressed, they have to have faith, they need to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our kids, we, we need our faith to be expressed, but it also needs to be engaged. We need to know the word of God. We need to hear the word of God, but we also need to obey the word of God even when it's hard. The other thing I thought of when I thought about this text is this. At the end of the day, my home is a tent. At the end of the day, my house is going away. And so is yours. Your stuff, your car, your job, it's all going away. It's all going away. There's two things that are eternal that's on this earth, the souls of men and the word of God. Your relationship with God is what's going to make it out of here. The cities that we live in don't have heavenly architects, engineers, or foundations. It's not if it will be gone. It's when it will be gone. So I need to live for the eternal. I need to have grace my feet and faith my eyes. Because the just shall live by faith. I will leave this home, this city, and this life. I can live focused on the temporary, or I can live echo deco my, looking forward to, focused on, expecting that eternal life, that everlasting city. The psalmist put it this way, when we follow our good shepherd, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, what? Forever. So how was Abraham involved? It involved a place. How was Sarah involved? Well, in this promise, there was a place, but there was also a people. In verses 8 through 10, we see Abraham as part of the promise. It was all of it, but it was, in, in this particular text, it's emphasizing that he was going to a place, a city whose builder and maker was God. Was God. Now he's moving on to Sarah and emphasizes the other part of the promise. Look at verse 11. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. You see, with Sarah, she was directly involved because this promise to Abraham involved a people. We see that Sarah faith, Sarah's faith was demonstrated in belief in the promise of God to receive the promise of God about a people. When it said that she received strength to conceive seed, this was her believing God that she could even have a baby. Sarah was 90 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. Say, that's old. That's old. If you're 90, I'm sorry. I hope it's not news to you. That's old. Especially in and when you're talking about having children. Talk about being past age. She was past age 
for sure. But what does it say she believed? She believed not only to conceive, but to be delivered of a child. Having kids takes energy. Who agrees with me? Sometimes as a parent, I have to get off the couch when I don't want to get off the couch. Sometimes when I don't feel like helping with dinner, I got to help with dinner. Sometimes when it's time to discipline my kids, I don't want to do it. Has anybody here felt that way? But here she was, someone who did not see people at 90 having kids, believing that if God promised at 90 years old that she'd have a kid, that that would happen. She believed God that, that he could do it, but also that that he would do it, and that she would have the strength to be a parent. She believed God, and then she received God's promise. Look at verse 12. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as, what? Let's not be crass or crude, but what she's saying is, people that age are not having kids. From a reproductive standpoint, he was as good as dead, but... Therefore sprang there even of this one dead one, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable, uncountable. This is a reference to some other reiterations of God's promise to Abraham. In Genesis 15, 5, this is how God kind of reiterated this promise to Abraham. It says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said, so, thou, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, for what? Righteousness. Verse 17 of Genesis 22. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall be possessed the gate of his enemies. Abraham and Sarah plainly believed God and demonstrated their faith in his promise of a place and a people, a land and a people, a place and a progeny. This wasn't just a one-time decision. They embodied what it was said was earlier in this text, this idea that the just shall live by faith. We see that truth expressed in the answer to the next question that gives us hope for the future. Number four, what was their perspective? We get a perspective, we get their perspective of themselves and they express it in the following three ways. First, their perspective of themselves was verse, given to us in verse 13 and 14. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. When it says these all, it refers not only to Abraham and Sarah, but also to those who are mentioned in verse 9, Isaac and Jacob and their kids. All these people died. Yes, they saw some kids, but they did not see sand of the seashore. They did not see sky, stars in the sky, numbers. They died without seeing that promise of in them all the nations there are being blessed. They did not see it in their lifetime, but the Bible says they saw it afar off. 
They, they lived as if that promise was true. The just shall live by faith. They lived as if when God made that promise, he was going to complete it. It says they were persuaded of them. They embraced them. It impacted their view on the, of themselves. It says they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. What's a stranger and a pilgrim? A stranger and a pilgrim is, I, a stranger means I'm a foreigner. I'm living in a land that's not my home. This earth is not my home. There's a city coming. That's where I'm a citizen. Do you get it? They said that we're foreigners, we're pilgrims. Not only did they live in tents and travel, they believed that this earth as home was not in, uh, their permanent home. They had a, a temporary view of themselves. They had a, they had a temporary view, a perspective of their home. Look at what it says in verse 15. And if indeed they had been mindful of that from which they came forth, they might have had opportunity to return. That, that's just saying they didn't count important the land that they came from. Their, their physical location and their past was not important to them. Abraham and Sarah came out of Ur of the Chaldees. They didn't go back there. Why? Because, they're, because that temporary distinction was not important. They believed God and left that place. This was an eternal decision. And you can also see that in their perspective towards eternity. You see that in verse 16. But now they long for a better, that is, a heavenly. A better what? A better city, a better place. I'm an American. I'm an Ohioan. But there's a citizenship that trumps that. I'm a citizen of heaven. And when America is forgotten, not because of me, but because of Jesus, I'm going to be a citizen of that fair country. Amen? That doesn't mean we don't have an allegiance at, at, at some level to our own country, but there's an identity that's more important. I'm in Christ. That's what's more important. The land that was promised was a future city, an eternal city, a city whose foundations, it says, were God. Again, they weren't wandering around looking for a city like the lost city of Atlantis or something. They were living, believing in the eternal, invisible God who would give them to be him, with him in eternity. So, because that was their perspective, here's the fifth question, and there's going to be a huge payoff at the end. It's going to be so exciting. Number five, what was God's perspective? It says that in verse 16, but now they live for a better, that is a heavenly, and then it says this, wherefore God is not ashamed of them to be called their God, for he did prepare for them a city. God accounted their faith as righteousness. God gave them the righteousness of Christ. He did what he does now. When people put their faith in him, he places them in Christ. He gives them Christ's righteousness. He takes away their sin. Their identity is now the people of God. Their destiny is now a new city, Mount Zion, New Jerusalem, heaven, eternity with God. He was pleased with their faith and he prepared for them a city. You remember what Jesus said? I go to prepare a place for you and if I go, I will come to you again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. They said, oh, how can we know where you're going? How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right now, Jesus is preparing a place for us. It's going to be incredible. So that leads to the final question about this promise. Remember the premise, what well, I'm not trying to get you to, to think about. 
we can have hope for our future through faith and the promise of God by asking these questions. Here's the last question. How does faith in the promise impact us? How does faith in the promise impact us? The promise impacts who we are right now. This is amazing. Go in your Bible to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3. If I do this right, you'll be amazed at this. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Here's a quote from Genesis about God's saving of Abraham. Abraham was accounted or imputed Christ's righteousness. God considered him as righteous, not only because of his works, not because of his works, but because of his faith that did produce some works. It's the same with us. He, when we believe God and put our trust in Christ, God gives us Christ's righteousness as well. Look at verse 7. He says this, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Okay? Well, what is he saying? Who, who is this written to? What book are we in as we're reading? Galatians. Was Galatia, were these Galatians Jews or Gentiles? They are Gentiles. He's saying, you're of Abraham, but they're not Jewish. He says, know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. We are not the children of Abraham in that we're Jewish. We're the children of Abraham in that we are given the righteousness of God in the same way he was given it. He responded to the revelation that God gave him. We respond in faith to the revelation that God gave us, and God imputes Christ's righteousness to our account. Look at, now here's the good part. Look at verse, four, verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the what? The gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Okay, let's pause for a second. What's the gospel? Gospel means good news. The good news is this, that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was risen again on the third day, according to the scriptures, for our sins. You, you get the good news is that we can go to heaven. Thank you. If you're a heathen, raise your hand. No, I mean, we're saved now, we're sanctified, but we're, the heathen he's talking about is people who weren't Jewish. He says here, that when God said, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, he was talking about us. Missions is God's idea. In fact, we are, we are doing the mission of God when we do missions. 
all the nations. Did you hear about Levi and Chelsea this morning in South Sudan? Women and men who don't know the gospel, hearing the gospel. Like you're going to meet them one day in heaven, people who didn't know Jesus. They're going to be in heaven. Every nation, tribe, and tongue in heaven. People, we got to baptize people today. That didn't make them go to heaven. It just showed, They just wanted to let you know, hey, I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. And I'm identifying with him and I'm identifying with you. Who's excited about that? The gospel got to Ohio. From the Ur of the Chaldees through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and Moses, all the way down to Jesus, who made disciples, who sent disciples, and he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, because in the seed of Abraham, Jesus came. And because he came and he died and he rose again, he could save to the uttermost those who went before who believed in him, and he could save to the uttermost, those who come to him today by faith. And so you and I, as Gentile heathen people, can be considered the sons and daughters of Abraham. We're part of God's family, his progeny. We haven't replaced Israel. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the same way Abraham gets to God and is right with God is the same way we are. So they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Look at this, verse 10. This is amazing. For as many as are the works of the law under the curse. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. What does that mean? It says it. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I got to talk to a lady yesterday. An elderly lady, sweet lady. And I... She came last week for the first time, came to our house, and I told her, hey, I'm not here to offend you. I know you go to church a lot. I know you have a religious background, but I'm here to tell you something that you need to know. You're a sinner. The Bible says you're a sinner. God has a law, and all of us have broken God's law. All of us. If you're like, I haven't broken God's law, you just did, you're lying. We all broken God's law. And if you're trying to get to God based on keeping God's law, you've already broken it. And because you've broken it, it says you're cursed. Isn't that what it says right there? Verse 11, yeah, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you don't keep all of the law, you've broken the law, you're cursed. Verse verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God is evident. No one's made right, no one's justified, no one's declared righteous by doing good works. You can't do enough good works to outdo the bad that you've done. And that's why it says, for the just shall live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. Here's the good news. Christ hath redeemed us. You see this? Are you with me in verse 13? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God planned before the foundation of the world to sacrifice his son, to raise him up on the tree, and to 
pour his wrath out on Jesus for our sins. I'm forgiven because he was rejected. Do you get it? Because he took my punishment, I can be, I can be saved. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And even as the snake was raised in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 14, Jesus was cursed by being punished for my sin on a tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Are you with me? Are you getting what I'm saying? That the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wow. Through faith. When we put our when we put our trust in Jesus, God saves us. He blesses us in Christ. And it's in that way that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You guys are not blown away. This is amazing what God has done for us. So the promise doesn't just impact who we are now. It impacts also where we are going. Remember what, I, remember what it said all through that passage, that he's building a city for us, that he's preparing a place for us, that there's a city whose builder and maker is God. Can I tell you, this is a book full of promises that have been made and kept. This is a book, God has an incredible track record of keeping his promises, but not all of the promises have been completely fulfilled. And John, the revelator, tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, a vision that he sees that's yet to come. Are you ready for this? This is amazing. Verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the what? Does God write some cool stories or what? Does he choose words for a reason? Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Here's some really good news. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Who's for that? No more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and put faithful. He said unto me, It's done. I'm Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 
Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. If you're in faith, I'm one of them and so are you. God is preparing a city and we're going to get to go there if we know him as our savior. But don't stop reading. Verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving. What is an unbelieving person? There's someone that's not necessarily any worse. It's not about works. Do people of faith mess up? Do people of faith sin? Are we going to heaven because of our works? No. What's the difference? It's faith. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. Well, Pastor Ben, I'm none of those things. And all liars. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is you don't have to keep the law. You can't keep the law. You aren't made right with God through performance. You're not. If you're trying to perform to get God to love you, stop. He already loves you. If you're trying to get saved by saying certain prayers or doing a certain religious ceremony or by belonging to a certain denomination or sect, if you're trying to be right with God and you're holding up the fact that your daddy was a preacher, your mama taught Sunday school, you coached Little League, any of your good works, the Bible says our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. I can't do enough good to cover up for my bad. Cursed is every man that tries to get there based on the law because we can't keep the law. Jesus was cursed for us on a tree. And if we put our faith and trust in him, the Bible says it this way, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confessions made to salvation. How, without faith it's impossible to please God. And so God's been telling a story since before the foundation of the world. He had this plan that he would choose a people, that he would choose a land, and that through this people and through this land, he would bring his son. God would become flesh. He would become a man. He would be born of a virgin, not getting the sin nature which comes through the, the man, the father's line. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He kept the law I could not keep. He became sin on the cross, who knew no sin, that we, through faith, might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's one way to get to heaven. His name is Jesus. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God counts it to us. As righteousness. God takes Jesus' righteousness and puts it on my account because he took my sin and put it to Jesus' account. But Jesus didn't stay dead. 
He didn't stay dead. Jesus rose from the dead. And he says this, because I live, you can live also. So I'm begging you to search your own heart. To ask this question, why do I think I'm going to heaven? Is it because of me? Is it because of my good works? I'm, I'm asking, like, not me, you. Do you think you're going to heaven because you're a good person? You're not. I like you. I like almost everybody in here. <laughs> I'm human. I'm human. No. Humanly speaking, you may be a good person. But if you think you're going to heaven because you're a good person, you're wrong. God has been doing something for a long time, and he's included you in it. He wants to be your savior and to be your God and for you to be his people and for you to live one day where he is. There's only one way to get there. It's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith and trust in him, God says, you're saved. You're saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me?